1: Welcome to Solo Ship Week 13. I'm Squirrel Patrol, I'm joined by JM to win from one-week season. JM, last week's show, we actually mentioned Pat Fryermuth very briefly. He went out and led the NFL in receiving yards in Week 12. Uh, how was your Week 12?
2: You know what? I'm not good, actually. I had uh, 66% Josh Allen. I had 30%. Kyron Williams, I had 20%. Pat Friermuth, uh, I had 30% Nico Collins. Weird week, you know, why uh, what I said on Pete's show before this is I've had weeks where I didn't play great and just like everything came together on one roster and it ended up being a really profitable weekend. Uh, last week, one of those weeks where I played extremely well and just things didn't come together on, on the right rosters, but um, huge week for OWS. So that was cool. Uh, third time we've taken down the slant this year, took down the uh, the Flea Flicker, took down second in the Millie Maker, eighth in the millimaker a bunch of other tournaments. So um yeah always cool to see that and we march onward what about you last week
1: i had almost the exact same experience i had i i felt great about my rosters and if i had looked at my rosters even knowing the stats that everybody put up, i would have thought i had a huge week i didn't <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really tough game when you're looking at it even knowing what the stats are from the games and going like man i must have won a lot of money
2: and yeah how, did it, how but, did it happen yeah I, I i joked last week that if i didn't win money last week i should retire from dfs because it was like everything lined up perfectly for me. Everything played out the way I expected it to. It just, and it just didn't come together on my rosters. But um, yeah, you know, those are the swings. We have yeah. some weeks where everything does and other weeks where everything doesn't.
1: Yeah, I, and it really is. It's a lot of variance and like contest selection too. And I I think we talked on the show last week that I had won the FanDuel Live final seat on, thanks, on Thanksgiving slate. Uh, and I didn't have like a spectacular roster, right? But I just did enough to win that, that, qualifier. And the same thing kind of happened, uh, you know, the, on the, the main slate, I actually had a much better roster, the Josh Allen roster that I thought did really well. Uh, and it was, you know, one Dalton Kincaid catch in overtime away from taking down the qualifier. Instead, I got second place. Uh, if you had added up all, you know, both slates together, I had about the right amount of stuff, right. Uh, you know, and I won the qualifier seat. It's so all kinds of even, it all kind of evens out. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of variance. Um, you know, but we've got week 13 in front of us, um, and we've got a former number one overall pick at, at quarterback who's facing a really poor passing defense. Um, how excited are you to play Bryce Young this
2: week? <laughs> uh, all in. This is everybody just lock in. Well, I was going to say all in Joe Flacco, but yeah, let's go all in Bryce Young. Uh, I like how you framed that. Um Tua wasn't the number one pick, was he? Wasn't he number two in his year?
1: Oh, was he? I, I remember everybody was tanking for Tua, but everyone tanked for
2: Tua, and then he had the the injury, the hip injury It was supposed to like change his career. And I feel like he he ended up being number two. But uh, no, I did like that was very that was very humorous. Uh, yeah, so I'm I was actually thinking about that earlier this week and thinking I bet I know what Squirrel's going to say on Friday. Um, Tua doubles, and we just close out the show with that. Is that all we're talking about? <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, it's it's someplace I'm definitely leaning. I actually do so to to I guess to frame the week, I think it's a week where there's a strong difference between Vandal and DraftKings. Uh, and I think the week is really overshadowed by like Zach Moss and maybe a little bit by by Tyreek Hill. I think Moss is going to be in play like very, very heavily on both sites. Um, it's just mispricing. You know, it's because he its just we kind of hit that window where his price I like, dropped with Jonathan Taylor coming back. His workload was going down. And now Taylor's out. And it is the, just the classic, you know, backup running back or priced like a backup running back situation where now we kind of expect him to see a full workload. I think he's going to see massive ownership. Um, it's not the best matchup. I think it's not the best rushing matchup. Um, but I'm also like kind of hard pressed to find a player cheaper than, you know, at Zach Moss's price or cheaper that uh, comes anywhere close to what we can expect out of Zach Moss. So actually that's the first thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, because I know you don't like playing running backs against Tennessee, right? You've at least like, you know, shown some hesitation when there's chalk running backs against Tennessee. Um, Like, what do you think about Zach Moss at like potentially 50% ownership?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll have him. I'll, I'll be way overweight. What I would normally be running backs against Tennessee. I'll be underweight the field. So somewhere in that range, um, I think that people can get duped by the price tag a little bit, right? Because one of the things that, like Hilo and I always say, once you turn the cards over, the what you pay for a player no longer matters. What matters is how many points you get from them. And and uh, an example I used earlier today is, like if you're in the 7K range of wide receiver, but you've got Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill and like these guys priced 1500 higher, like you're still going to be like, oh, well, like it's worth it to spend the extra 1500 Not to say that Zach Moss is like, in a totally different tier, but like Zach Moss should be priced like 5,600, 5,700. He shouldn't be priced at seven K, you know? So like you're saving about one K, maybe 1200, 1500 in salary. Um, And I think that that can be overstated a little bit because he is facing the number two run defense by DVOA. And, and earlier this week uh, I, I was writing up my DFS interpretations. It was going to be like, you know, they're number two by DVOA, but they've been hit for these stat lines. I was going to like lay out the stat lines and I like started looking through them and it was like, Oh, just like Zach Moss had a good game against them. And Jalen Warren yeah. in the long run is like, that's it. You know? So um, I do think, you know, there's, there's my running back pool, my quarterback wide receiver tight end pools are really small this week. And then my running back pool is actually pretty broad. So I am going to like mix and match a lot of different running back pieces to try to outmaneuver the Zach Moss rosters because you know, the Steelers running backs, Javante Williams, Devin Singletary, who we should probably talk about, Rashad White, Ramondre Stevenson, like all of these guys could end up outscoring Zach Moss, right? Zach Moss could put up 12 points. He could rush for 65 yards. He could catch three passes for 30 yards, not score a touchdown. He scores 12 and a half points. And like uh, two of these three guys, or I mean, two of these five guys, six guys, whatever it is, uh, or even three of these guys could end up scoring 20 plus points. And it's just like, you're only spending a little bit more in salary for that. So I do think the Zach Moss love is going to be overstated. But I'm also like I recognize that it's a sharp play. So I'm not talking down that play. I just I won't have it at the same level that the field will have it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit torn. I think, you know, you laid out some good arguments there. It's interesting when you're trying to say like the only running back that's had a good, you know, really good performance against this defense is this running back kid that we're talking about. Right. Zach Moss. Uh, so. But it is difficult. I like optimizers are gonna love him. Like it's gonna be really difficult if you're using any kind of like optimizer to to get him out of your lineup because he is gonna project what point per dollar way above the rest of the field. Uh, but there is the consideration of roster spots too, right? Like what if you have just you know three other running backs that that perform really well? Suddenly that yeah, that savings that you're getting on Zach Moss isn't gonna look so good. Uh my my gut feeling is that he's going to be on the winning lineup about 50% of the time. He's going to see about 50% ownership. So in larger field, you know, my, my take is just, you know, yeah, I don't want Zach Moss to beat me. So I'm probably going to own him at about a 50% clip, maybe a little bit less. Um, that doesn't help single entry if you're doing one lineup, <laughs> you know, and no. you have to make the yeah. decision to be zero or a hundred percent. And then it is my, my take is basically, yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. But it's also game. like, like we've talked about with, if you're playing single entry, you know, you could argue that the sharpest way to play single entry is to build six to eight single entry lineups, right? And then you could go, half of them have Moss, half of them don't. Um, Recognizing, you know, he'll probably be more like 60%, 65, 70% in single entry if he's 50% in in MME contests. So um, you could even go with the side with the ownership there. I'll probably have uh, like, 30, anywhere from 30 to 35%, maybe as high as 40%, but that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. And um, so, I mean, that's way like, that's massive ownership. Right. And so um, that's not like, oh, I'm not going to have Zach Moss. I just think that he's just fundamentally not as good of a play as the ownership is going to indicate. And like you said, optimizers, projection systems, point per dollar, that's, that's median outcomes. Right. And so, um, you know, what if, what if one of these other guys goes for 35 and, and Zach Moss goes for, 16, right? Well, he's still a great point per dollar play, but that 35 pointer, you're not getting it because you were taking Zach Moss instead. So I want to just think through all those things this week.
1: Yeah. I think if you're getting off of Zach Moss, you have to get a little bit of a different build. And I think like Zach Moss and Tyreek kill are actually going to be somewhat correlated to get a little bit, you know, back to the dolphins because I think people are going to take the savings on Zach Moss. And then we, you know, we might have some value wide receivers cropping up, maybe some value at a tight end, uh, and then they're going to use that to pay up for Tyree Kill. And again, I—it's I, really hard to make an argument against Tyree Kill, uh, but he is super expensive. Um, and you know, wide receivers are inherently volatile position. Um, but man, like that Commanders defense—you um, know—I've I've been saying I kind of expect the Commanders defense to fall apart as the season goes along, and it and it has. Uh, and like Tyree Kill is just the hands down best wide receiver in the NFL, I think. Um, so it's an incredible matchup. And now we have the savings to play Tyreek Hill. I, I think we're gonna see that combination a lot, like Zach Moss and Tyreek Hill. Um and I actually I think the way you know you laid it out is probably what I'm gonna end up doing is I'm probably gonna end up using Zach Moss on about you know, 50% of my single entry rosters and make, you know, make a handful of them and spread those out among like the 10x's and, and single entry contests. Um, I, and I think Tyreek Hill will probably own a little bit a little bit less and maybe. Make some attempt to like to alternate those rosters because I think the Hill and and uh, Zach Moss pairing is going to be very heavily owned.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, for me, I'll, I'll take a different approach with Tyree Kill. I'm currently leaning toward just 100% Tyree Kill. Um, and my thought process there is like, so, you know, he has a three games this year below basically below 26 points. Well, the his he had a game of 25.8, but we'll call it three games below 26 points just in, incredible consistency. And those three games were pretty easy to see coming, right? It was against early season, healthy New England, early season, healthy Buffalo. Then that Kansas City pass defense. Um, you know, he even put up the big game against the Jets. So when when the matchup isn't brutal, he's scoring these 26 plus points. And then the matchup is so good here. So the way I kind of look at it is... Um, if they were like five, six guys who could all score 40 points this week, then I'd kind of mix and match things. It would be like, well, maybe Tyreek Hill only scores 27, 28, and I don't want to box myself out of those guys that can score 40, but I don't see a lot of opportunities for 40-point scores. And so, and then also, I've built a lot of rosters that I really like that have Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown or Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey. So just to say like the salary flexibility is there to have that other guy who could also go for the big score. So it's like if Tyreek Hill quote only scores 27, 28, I can still get the guy who outscores him. Um, and then if he scores like the, the 35, the 40, the 45, then I've got him on those, on all my rosters as well. So um, I'm kind of leaning like uh, underweight the field, Zach Moss, and then just lock in Tyree Kill. But obviously it's Friday afternoon, that could change. But that, that's what I'm seeing right now.
1: It's it's harder to fade Tyree Kill now that I look at the game lock. <laughs> you mentioned like yeah. like three yeah. games under like 25 points. I'm like, that can't be right.
2: Yeah, like, you took the is. position off and it's just like, you know, last year, uh, Justin Jefferson had like, Eight of his 17 games went for 30 plus, and like you know, but the, all the rest were kind of mid teens, you know. And Jamar Chase, same thing, I think it was eight out of maybe it was seven out of 17 games last year, went for 30 plus, and the rest were kind of mid teens. So it's like to do it in eight out of 11, you know, that's old school Christian McCaffrey type range. In fact, in fact, Christian McCaffrey's topped 25 points, I think 25 points four times this year. Um, and and Tyreek Hill's done it eight times, you know, so it's just like incredible efficiency what he's doing this year and how big big a part of this offense he is. And then how bad the Washington pass defense is, it would be just like DFS for him to come out and put up a 13 point game in this spot. But um, I'm not going to account for that in my, in my play. Like if that happens, then I'm going to say like, this was a weekend I wasn't going to win is, is kind of how I'm leaning right now.
1: I think there's an argument to play a lot of Terry kill in, in single entry and smaller field contests, Uh, certainly like high dollar stuff. Uh, I for the super like for the Millie Maker, I think maybe there's an argument for being under the field. Because like, what I can see is kind of what you described, where what if like what if he goes out and he has like a spectacular like 70 yard touchdown catch, uh puts up a touchdown and 120 yards on the game, and that's just not enough, right? Like what if he hits like 19, 1920 points? Uh but that has actually happened so infrequently <laughs> this season. <laughs> it's it's difficult to, yeah. to make the argument for I would, but, like I
2: would- also argue, I'm curious if you'd agree with me on this that you would still want a Dolphins piece on almost all of those non-Tyreek rosters, right? Because yeah. otherwise, you're betting on the Dolphins like not having a good game. Yeah. Granted, it's you know it's not South Florida or LA where Tua's had his biggest games. You know, it's, you know, you're in the Northeast. There's colder weather. Uh, his 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 weak armed passes might die a little bit more up there. But uh, I kind of think you would just say okay, it's not Tyreek because instead it's Waddle, or because instead it's Mostert or however you might want to play that one.
1: Actually, yeah, I think that's that's right. I think it, that actually brings up an interesting question across the slate, which is that I think if you really like Tyreek Hill and then, you know, if, like Christian McCaffrey is really hard to argue against, but then suddenly the rest of the players in that like upper tier price range are going to start seeing like very minimal ownership. Like Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, I don't really necessarily you know want to go there. Um, AJ Brown facing the 49ers, I can see like a definite path for failure there. Like all of these are good players, right? Like they're priced up for a reason. Reason. Um like Amon-Ra St. Brown and and Alvin Kamara are maybe guys that I'm a little bit more interested in. Um and I guess they're in the same game. Up. So like that's an interesting roster right there. <laughs> you know playing like, Alvin Kamara yeah. and amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, and that's you're getting like very different. because I, I think Tyree Kill and Christian McCaffrey are going to see very high ownership. Um, and one of my favorite ways of maybe not using Tyree Kill is using Mostert instead. Um, like I think if you play Rahim Mostert, and even you can even play him with Tua, uh, like a Tua non-Tyree Kill roster with Mostert, and maybe add Jalen Waddle. And that's that's actually kind of an interesting single entry. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, roster yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's still betting on like the most obvious thing and the thing that's likeliest to happen being the dolphins scoring a lot of points, but just accounting for the fact that it can happen in weird ways and other people won't have that build. No, I like that. Um, You know, I think like with the, the, and I'm, I'm probably in a different boat than a lot of people on this lions and saints game that, you know, I know that the game total is somewhat high, but in that one, it's like, you would need the, the scoring to be there and then it to pass through these guys at a level that justifies their price tags. Whereas like just building Washington, building uh, Miami a different way, like, yeah you still need the scoring to be there but it's probably going to be there you know so it's like um that's one thing that you can already kind of check the box on and then it's just like so now you just need the second thing to go right of the scoring is distributed in a different way so yeah i I definitely um i think it's a a sharp way to approach things and um there's definitely multiple ways to attack the slate and if you're not playing tyreek i think there's a lot of interesting ways to build around that dolphins offense and you could still build one that says like Build a single entry roster that says Dolphins don't hit in this spot, but I think that if you're building single entry, you have to be aware that that is what you're saying. You know, is is that the Dolphins don't hit in this spot? And even like I see that with um, what are the chances that none of the San Francisco pieces hit? What are the chances that none of the Washington pieces hit? Even though it's tough to predict which Washington piece or which San Francisco piece, like if one of those pieces hit, somebody's going to have the right combo of San Francisco piece, Washington piece and you're competing against that someone for first place. So you want that someone to be you on a week where there's probably not going to be a lot of individual pieces hitting. So um, that's one of the toughest things I think on single entry this week is how do you build around the 49ers and the commanders who are way less predictable in where the points are going to come, but somebody's probably going to get there. Um, and some roster is probably going to have the right combo. And, and you'd rather that roster be you than you be chasing that roster with players with, you know, trying to get Deandre Hopkins big game or something, you know, to like catch those guys. So um, yeah, I don't know. You have any thoughts on, on that side of things?
1: Yeah. So uh, like Blender asked me this morning, like, do I think a Washington run back is necessary like on, a Dolphins heavy rosters? Um, and I don't think it is. Cause I, I don't, I don't, I can see Tyreek Hill running down the sidelines. So what I said, right? Like scoring multiple touchdowns and he just keeps running down the field for touchdowns. That doesn't necessarily mean that Washington's going to find a lot of passing game success. Um, I know they're passing the ball a lot. They're getting sacked a lot. Um, and but they they haven't put up a lot of like slate breaking scores at the wide receiver or tight end position, uh, like and Sam Howell is is finding a way to get there on, on most weeks to like hit a pretty good score. And I, I know like as of last week, I think he was leading the NFL in, in passing yards, which I was surprised to see. I'm not even sure if that's the case anymore. Uh, but yeah, they're they're not putting up like like Terry McLaurin hasn't had like you know a bunch of slate breaking scores. Uh, if I am playing a Washington run back, I'm probably more likely to go cheaper with like Curtis Samuel or Logan Thomas. Um, tight end might be a, a thin position this week. Um, And I, you know, I'll, in my one fifty set, I'll have some you know some Dolphins heavy rosters that have Terry McLaurin as a run back. Um, I just don't necessarily see Washington as like putting up a high score in this game, Um, and that doesn't prevent Miami from putting up a high score, which is what I like about the Dolphins offense to begin with.
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of I see it differently, and I'm obviously a big Sam Howell fanboy, and I've played him like as my highest owned quarterback, a good four different times this season. But um, I just think, I mean, I I think it's a good spot for them. I think that the Jalen Phillips injury, Jalen Phillips, isn't a big name. And so people don't see how big of a, how significant of a loss that is for this defense. But I mean, he is uh, not in that Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt tier, but he's like in the tier right below that for pass rushers and impact. And um, so definitely that softens the matchup a little bit game at home for Washington. And we know that Howell's going to throw the ball, a ton. Doesn't take as many sacks lately, right? He had a bad game against the Giants, but they've short, shortened up the passing attack and getting getting the ball out quickly. And um, they're going to throw the ball more than any team in football or as much as any team in football. So um, I do like, like I think that there's a pretty good chance that Price considered, we see, you know, a really nice score from one or two of these guys. And it's a week where Price considered like, I mean, you look at the 5K wide receivers where we've been able to mine all these like 30-point scores this year. There's just not a lot to love in in that price range this week. So kind of if you get that 20 to 25-pointer from a Washington piece, I do think it has a lot of value this week.
1: So we mentioned uh, Philadelphia and San Francisco. I think that's like the NFL game of the week or, you know, it's the biggest game in terms of like, you know, playoff. Actually good NFL teams playing each other. Uh, And that's a tough one. I know, you know, you generally like playing Brock Purdy. Um I was actually in the midst of like a Brock Purdy write up when we, you know we started the show. <laughs> um and then I was actually writing it's difficult to pick, you know, you can always pair him with Christian McCaffrey. Like Purdy is always cheap enough. You can pair him with Christian McCaffrey. Maybe not the ideal pairing, but it's good enough. Like that gives you a pretty solid floor of points. And then then it's difficult to fit in one of the other San Francisco pieces. And also like they don't usually hit together, but then one of them usually does hit if Brock Purdy's yeah. having a big game and i was basically trying to find a way to write in this article you just have to pick one at random uh, you know you just have to pick one and hope that's the one um and that's not you know not great advice like probably my my strongest argument would be for Brandon Ayuk that i think he's going to see the lower ownership because i think he's more expensive um and he you know, he's done really well this season um that's not like a big data hand in the dirt argument uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably Brandon Ayuk if I had to pick one, but yeah, maybe you just pick one at random. I don't do have any clarity on that. Situation? No, I wish
2: I did. I, I was saying earlier today, I, I want to listen to, you know, Lord Reeves and Hilo have a podcast, uh, on the OWS podcast feed and YouTube channel called searching for ceiling. And every week, you know, like Reeves and Hilo are both so sharp on exactly how players match up with this particular team and scheme and all that. And so, uh, I, I want to listen to that and maybe look at Reeve's workbook and, um, and Hilo's write-ups for the, for that game and maybe see if there's anything that they've figured out there because, um, you know, like, was it two weeks ago and Debo hit and both of them were like, oh, we knew that Debo was going to have a, a good game. Cause of the way that he set up, like they were going to use Debo more in this box when he set up with this matchup. And, um, so maybe they'll have something like that if they don't, you know, you know I, uh, I was looking through his targets, right? He has like a nine target game, a 10 target game, a seven and an eight and everything else has been six and below. Uh, So, you know, one way you could lean here is that Philadelphia forces the second highest opponent pass rate over expectation. The 49ers force the highest opponent pass rate over expectation. So if the 49ers are throwing the ball a little bit more, that increases the chances of, of uh, seeing one of these eight to 10 target games. So yeah, I mean, I could see Ayuk. I could see Debo, I could see Kittle. I see the arguments against all of them, but, but like you said, like one of them probably hits in this spot and, somebody's going to have that, the guy who hits, right? So yeah, I mean, it does feel like guesswork, but uh, I'm going to be using kind of a, a chunk of the rest of this weekend to figure out which of these guys do I want to kind of lean into at a higher rate than the other.
1: Okay. Um, just getting back to the New Orleans Detroit game for for a moment, uh, that's one of the biggest question marks on the week, I think, is that New Orleans has got so many receivers out. Uh, I didn't see like the latest practice report like for so lobby. I think he's in the concussion protocol. Uh, I don't know the status of Rashid. Rashid, Rashid and Alave both went out last game. Uh, Michael Thomas is already out. And so that could leave New Orleans um, at receiver with like Jawan Johnson, at the, you know, tight end, like Taysom Hill. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. It was A.T. Perry, sixth round draft pick, um, Lynn Bowden.
2: Lynn Bowden, Kirkwood. <laughs> Kirkwood, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, that is actually, I think that's, going To have an impact on the slate because I think if it's, if that's the New Orleans receiving core, most of those guys are at 4,000 or below. I know, um, I think Juwan Johnson is maybe a little bit more expensive. Tyson yeah, he's Hill's 30, expensive. he's
2: 3,400 and, and at Perry's 33, and then Bowden and Kirkwood are both 3K.
1: Yeah, so that, that's an impact on the slate. Um, and that's I think that's going to increase like Christian McCaffrey and tyree kill ownership. Um, and maybe it's a way to get away from Zach Moss against the, the Titans rush defense. Um, as you start playing these New Orleans wide receivers, uh, but it it also seems like a way where you could lose some money over time. <laughs> you yeah. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, it's funny nobody ever talks about Greg Dortch. You know, he's yeah. thirty seven hundred. He's had eight games in his career with significant snaps. He's averaging sixteen point five DraftKings points per game in those eight games. Seven of those eight games, he scored double digit DraftKings points. Uh, two of those eight he scored 20 plus, four of those eight he scored 15 plus. So half of his games he scored 15 plus. Um, so definitely prefer him over like when he's on the field, he gets open, he commands targets. Uh, the the Saints are very much like a schemed offense, and I just don't see them scheming a ton of targets for A.T. Perry and Lynn Bowden and Keith Kirkwood. I actually think what's interesting to me is because they're such a schemed offense, uh, like Juwan Johnson's interesting. But also, like I think Taysom Hill is very interesting this week. I think that they're like if you're sitting in the Saints' shoes, you're going to be like, okay, like let's lean into Taysom Hill a lot more this week. Uh, and I I just think that people aren't able to make that like imaginative leap in their roster building, so you're going to see him sub two percent because people are like they just can't t- like push themselves to play this guy at fifty two hundred when you know you just have to guess that that he's going to be used in this way.
1: Taysom Hill is the guy I've got tagged. Like on Roddy Broder's line of HQ, um, because I he puts up he puts up outlier games. Um, yeah, and yeah, Like he has these games where he like throws for a touchdown, and rushes for a touchdown. I was actually when I wrote him up, he has more receptions this year than his previous three years combined. Um, and so we always think of him as this guy that's getting schemed. Like the phrasing, like schemed looks, is exactly what we're looking for. Like schemed looks leads in the red zone, in particular, leads to outlier scores, which is what we want, particularly at a tight end position where, you know, that doesn't have like Travis Kelsey on it, uh, you know, Mark Andrews is out, uh, you know, there's not necessarily a bunch, like we're finding a bunch of value at tight end this year, you know, with Trey McBride, we're not finding these like huge scores. Like Taysom Hill is a guy and he's not the most expensive tight end. He's a guy that, yeah, if he's involved in like multiple scores in that game. Like suddenly he's at one, 2% ownership going to be a guy that's really nice to have on a roster Oh, and I always have the fantasy that like all the Saints quarterbacks get wiped out due to injury. <laughs> ends up playing the second half <laughs> yeah, as a quarterback. I mean, you
2: want, a, you want a million bucks playing backup running back, so you know you never know. I yeah. you break, break, break your way too. Yeah, I get
1: embrace the variance, uh.
2: I think uh, I, I think that yeah, like the fact that he's, I mean, he's sharp. He's just sharp by like the the thought process of how they're going to try to win this game. What we know about how the Saints go about trying to win games, and so um, then, and then you know if these cheap pass catchers become popular. We already know Juwan Johnson's trending toward being popular. So he ends up, Taysom ends up being leverage off of other guys too, which makes him that much more powerful. So no, I think he's a very sharp, uh, very sharp way to go this week. Uh, I'm glad that we're on the same page on that one.
1: Um, so you have mentioned you, like, you don't look a lot at ownership projections, particularly early in the week. Um, do you, like a guy I've seen as highest projected owner quarterback on DraftKings, somebody we haven't mentioned yet. Um, I don't think we've even touched on the game Um, Do you know who it is? Multiple projection sites.
2: It's Russ, right?
1: Yeah. Russell Wilson. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, good for, (laughs) good for everybody. (laughs) No, I like, here's like, I've got, I'm looking at this week, like, who, what can separate, right? Because I think it's going to be a lot of clumped up and you're going to see like the people as everybody does, right? They play the Michael Pittman because like, Oh, he's not going to kill my roster. And he probably ends up putting up 15 to 22 points. And it's like, Oh, nice. I got, I got a good score. Right. And I'm going to be like, okay, so who's the guy who can score 35. Right. And just blow past that. So to me, I I also want to think about what could be separating from my rosters. And so I look at this, like we've talked on this show about when two good offenses with aggressive mindsets play each other they have this tendency to be like okay we've got to score points we can't like rest and so you look at like philadelphia and washington uh, sorry philadelphia and san francisco where the the two defenses that force the highest opponent pass rate over expectation in in the nfl two really good aggressive minded offenses like even if the game starts slow there's just so many opportunities for it to turn into a shootout um Miami we know they can score a lot of points against Washington we know Washington is like one of the past heaviest teams in the NFL so opportunities for that to like for Washington to feel com- for Miami to feel compelled to keep attacking um and then you flip over to this other game which I think is like the third game on the slate to me but it's like how is Houston gonna like Denver's allowed the fifth fewest wide receiver receiving yards they've allowed the most running back rushing yards the seventh most tight end receiving yards so you're like you're talking about Houston a really smart coach in Bobby Slowick, like he has adapted his game plan week to week based on what the opponent gives him. So you're talking about like winning by keeping the ball on the ground, throwing to the tight end. Obviously you're still involving the wide receivers, but like, I just don't see the, the big explosive plays. Um, and then who do you stack Russell Wilson with? So even if you get Russell Wilson, right, you still need to get a second thing right with that. So yeah, I don't like, that's one that I'm going to have in MME and it might trickle into like, if I build 13 single entry, three max rosters, I might have, one or two of those 13 that's like a Russ and a CJ Stroud, but I just don't see it at in the way that the field is seeing it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm looking, it's been since week four that, uh, Russell Wilson put up 20 DraftKings points. Uh, that's my single entry strategy. Potentially this week is just not play Russell. Wilson. Play, <laughs> play anything else. Uh, I, and it's not an, in multi multi entry. I'll probably be under the field, but I'll, you know, have 5% Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, I think he can get there. He just doesn't tend yeah, to put up yeah. these outlier scores. And he's he's a reasonable cash value this week. I wouldn't argue against playing Russell Wilson. He's your highest projected quarterback in in cash games. Uh I just don't see them going out there and, and Russell Wilson you know putting up a 300 yard, three touchdown game, uh, because he's only done that like once this season. It was against Washington week two. Uh, so yeah, it was a few months ago. Uh, I, yeah, I'm going to probably be avoiding Russell Wilson, especially in similar entry this week. Um, hot takes. I guess we're we'll wrapping this up with some hot takes. You got anything? Yeah.
2: So, uh, my hot take is that Greg Dortch is going to prove to be the second coming of the Messiah. <laughs> we'll find that out at the end of Sunday. Uh, No, my hot take is something Greg Dortch related. You know what I actually, this is a true story. I typed in Dortch in my phone notes earlier this week. I tried to auto correct it to supercharged. So uh, Greg Dortch, yeah, it's just, it's a Greg Dortch week. That's my, that's my hot take. But no, I mean, I do think like Greg Dortch should be priced in like, at like 5,500 and he's priced at 3,700. He's not going to be treated as such. So, okay. Yeah.
1: I like, like the, you know, Greg Dortch thought my hot take, uh, Bryce Young, best game of his career so far. Two hundred and fifty passing yards, <laughs> which would actually be his high mark.
2: game, yeah, he has got a two forty seven on his ledger. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: um, I'll actually, I'll go, I'll go with three hundred <laughs> yards. I do think, like, if Bryce Young is going to have a good week, it probably has to start with something this week. And I think the the change at head coach maybe helps him. Like, maybe they are just not going to run the ball at all. Like, just let you know, Bryce Young keep passing. But I think he's going to be a guy that's one percent or less owned. Yeah, um, And so I'll be multiple times the field on my multi-entry builds. I like probably it. I, not single entry.
2: I have kept, I have continued to look at Bryce Young this week and be like, Ooh, interesting. And then be like, nah. So that, that might compel me to get like three or 4% Bryce Young. in there." I do like Jonathan Mingo this week. So uh, maybe some, some Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo stacks going out there. All
1: right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll probably keep it mostly to Adam Thielen, but I, I, there will probably be some Jonathan Mingo in my multi-entry build.
2: As I like well. it. Um, I like it. All
1: right. Any, any final thoughts on the week?
2: Uh, no, I like this week. Let's, uh, let's go have some fun.
1: All right. Yeah. Just avoid the Russell Wilson in single entry and good luck to everybody this week. See you next week.